The opinions expressed on The Rob Report are the opinions of the hosts, participating callers, and or listener emails, texts, and letters, and are not necessarily the opinions of WDAY or Forum Communications. Were my levels a little off there, Eric, starting up? (laughs) Just to start off. All right. I was trying to get, I should have warned you. (laughs) I I was trying to get it back. Um, My daughter was using my my microphone and setup to record. They're making like a mini documentary for one of their classes at school. Okay. And uh, she, she was using my microphone. And I had said she could with the expectation that I'd be there with her. Yeah, she just did it herself and messed with all my volume settings. Punk kids and their homework. Uh... <laughs> all right, uh, we got a good show coming up. Uh, Kevin Kramer out with, with some new ad. And normally, I I wouldn't spend a lot of time like um, on uh, on Senate ads and stuff like that. I I think it's interesting. I mean, I I. The ads themselves are what they are. I think sometimes it's interesting the tone that the candidates choose with their ads. And so now we have both uh, Heidi Heitkamp's out with a couple ads now. She's got a recycled one from 2012 video ad, her and her family. Um, She's got a radio ad that came out this week sort of touting how she'll work with anyone and she'll reach across the aisle and work with with, uh, Donald Trump and how often she votes with Donald Trump. Um, Kevin Kramer's out with an ad. Uh... (laughs) Basically, it's just audio of, of Heidi Heitkamp endorsing Hillary Clinton. It's really good. We'll get we'll get to that later in the program. Um, also, a cut up for guests. We're going to have on uh, Wesley Fricks. You've probably heard of Tiger Swan. He's a government affairs guy for Tiger Swan, who is a a private security firm um, that was brought into North Dakota during the protests against the Dakota Access Pipeline. There is a lingering legal dispute over whether or not, and, and obviously the security contractor, you know became the subject of a lot of national attention because there's a lot of conspiracy theories about what they were doing here and, and that they were infiltrating the protesters and all a lot of heavy breathing about that nonsense. Um, but there is a lingering issue about whether or not they were legally allowed to work here. The North Dakota Private Investigation Security Board, they're a licensing board that licensed, well, private investigators and security officers. They say Tiger Swan was not licensed to work in North Dakota um, a judge has said that the, that the board and the security firm, firm, firm should work it out. They're trying to do that. Um, there was a meeting today. We'll talk with um, Wesley Fricks from uh, Tiger Swan about that. Also, Gary Eminem. You might remember him. He ran for the U.S. Senate for a little while, Eric. He was in the he was in the it was a very he was in short the race. period of time. Yes, for a little bit, he was a U.S. Senate candidate. Now he's a state Senate candidate. Did you know that he's running for the state Senate? Over I did Bis- not know that. He is. So he's, he's not going to be too busy campaigning for Kevin Kramer then. No, I, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. He's going to be. Okay. He's running for the state Senate. He'll probably do some campaigning for Kevin too. Um, he's uh, he's going to be on the program. He's also as if he wasn't busy enough running for the state Senate. He promised he would campaign for Kevin Kramer. Um, he is also uh, the chairman of a new initiated measure campaign, which is uh, targeting non-citizen voting. Now, 
they're going to amend the state constitution to make it illegal for non-citizens to vote. Now, if you're wondering, is it already illegal to, for non-citizens to vote in North Dakota? Yes, it is. Um, when I contacted him, and I think you can read the measure. I posted about it at stateofthingsblog.com yesterday. You can read it there. Um, when I asked Gary about it yesterday, what he told me is, um, even though it's already illegal in state statute, uh, they want it in the Constitution because in some other states, you've seen local, like like the city of Chicago, for instance, um, the capital of Vermont. What What is the capital of Vermont? Is it Montpelier? Yeah, and don't be throwing geography questions at me. All right. I'm gonna ask, I'd ask my Google Home, but I'd probably set off everybody's Google Home. Hey, I want to make mention of one thing because we were getting some phone calls about smoke in South Fargo. And okay. I checked with our newsroom. It's in the air. Uh, we're hearing that is a controlled burn. So, and it does okay. sound like it's outside of the city. So nobody panic. But I actually can start to smell it now in the control room a little bit of the smoke. So it wow. it must be fairly prominent in the south side of the city. But to my understanding, according to our newsroom right now, it is a controlled burn. All right, we got that out there. Also, the capital of Vermont is Montpelier. I was right. Yeah, I was trying to kill a little time for you to do your Google magic yeah. there. See how that works? We work well, Eric. <laughs> Back and forth. We got this down. Um, all right. So, yeah, uh, Montpelier, I think, this also allows non-citizens to vote in their local elections. So Gary wants to – they want to put that in the state constitution. They're a little short on time, though, because uh, they have July 9th is the cutoff to get a constitutional measure on the statewide ballot. they got to get over 26,000 signatures. they got less than two months. Um, I think that one's probably a long shot, but we'll talk with Gary about that. That's coming up at one thirty. Plus, your phone call, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. All right, so have you heard about this little spat between the Engelstead family or the Engelstead Family Foundation and the University of North Dakota, Eric? Yes, uh, it was prominently in the news. I can't remember if it was Monday or from Friday, but uh, the president, uh, President Kennedy of uh, University of North Dakota, uh, well, according to him, he's not into any kind of war of words or whatever, but he's in some trouble with the Engelstead family, specifically the daughter of Ralph. Is it the daughter or granddaughter of Ralph Engelstead? I can't remember. I think it's the daughter. I don't really know. That's a good question. I guess I don't know off the top of my head. She's family anyway, and she's the currently she's the head of um, she's the head of uh, the foundation of, of, of the foundation basically yeah, um, and so anyway she uh, yeah there's been there's been a little bit of a, a word a war of words yeah she was the the she's the daughter of Ralph and Betty Engelstead. Um there's been a little bit of a war of words between the two and this is interesting because UND President Mark Kennedy already under fire. You know, when he had that little flirtation with a job down in Florida after getting hired for his gig in Grand Forks not all that long ago, um, he's already under fire. And so having a, a feud with his university's uh, biggest donors, probably not a real good time for that. Now, at the center, what's, what's been reported to this point that's at the center of the feud is ongoing negotiations over revenues for a new contract from the Ralph Engelstead Arena. Right. There's there's a there's a contract. The old contract apparently has expired. They're trying to negotiate a new one. and They're at an impasse over how to share revenues, um, which I understand those things happen. Uh, what's interesting is I obtained a bunch of emails between Mark Kennedy and, um, and 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 other people. And in the emails, a picture. Can, can you believe this, Eric? There's another food fight over another logo at the university of north dakota they're the fighting hawks now right and uh so what's happening is 
the Ralph Engelstead Arena was going to resurface the basketball court at what's called the Betty. What is it? The the, the Betty Sioux Center or something like that? Yeah, it's know. attached to the Ralph, the yeah, regular the Betty. arena. Yep. So they're going to resurface it. So Mark Kennedy sends an email. The president of the University of North Dakota sends an email over, and he says, uh, you know, basically, you know, you know, we've 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 talked to the coaches, we've talked to the teams that play in the Betty, um, and you know, they all want the Fighting Hawks to be at center court, right? They want the logo to be at center mm-hmm. court. So they send that email over. Um, that that happened in uh, let's see, what was the date March thirtieth. Um, April 20th, Jody Hodgson, who is the general manager of the Ralph, sends an email back. Uh, and he's actually, at this point, responding to Bill Chaves, who's the athletic director at the University of North Dakota. Chaves had followed up on Kennedy's email. And uh, Jody Hodgson emails back, and he says, uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to mislead you. It looks like my board of director is continuing to move towards including just North Dakota at center court instead of the Fighting Hawks. Um, and so Kennedy then goes back, and he, he and you, you really got to read all these emails. Um, it's, I, I wouldn't normally say that reading a bunch of emails between people like this is, is all that hot reading, but this is, this is kind of interesting. Uh, and I got them all up at sayanythingblog.com if you want to check that out. Kennedy fires back and he goes, um, you know, today we're at a pivot point. I'm quoting now from his email. Will the Anglestead legacy embrace all those passionate about raising high the banner of UND or only those bearing a Sioux logo? Will it be a legacy of inclusion or exclusion? The inclusive spirit welcomes those who cheer, let's go Sioux, and those who cheer, let's go Hawks, say some in hockey, but most in every other sport. Will the Engelstead legacy embrace all UND fans, or will it fuel a generational divide? More and more of today's UND players and students are proud to be Hawks. Do do today's students not have every right to be as proud of who they are compared to earlier UND students who also harbor the pride engendered during their time at the university? Should the Engelstead legacy turn aside Hawks fans? The coaches of every team that plays in the Betty have made it clear that a fighting Hawk should be at center court. Anything other than a Hawk on center court at the Betty risks shifting attitudes from one of appreciation to resentment. Uh, so he says that. So, so here's how this, here's how McGarry, uh, who's, uh, Engelstead McGarry responds. She's again, the, the descendant of Ralph Engelstead is the head of the Engelstead family foundation. Um, this is how she responds, uh, to, to Mark, to, to, uh, um, you know, Kennedy, I mean, he's getting very sore. I mean, he's getting, he's getting himself worked up mm-hmm. there, right? About this logo. Here's, here's how she responds. She goes, attach the attached document graphically represents the court design that was recently approved and finalized by the uas board of directors to be installed at the betty engelstead sioux center in may of 2018 the design has been finalized and submitted to the court contractor so that stencils and paint can be ordered to complete the project in compliance with the attached the court resurfacing and painting project will commence on may 7th it will be completed by the end of may 2018 so basically blows the president off He's going off. We got to have the Fighting Hawks at the center. Hey, don't get me wrong. The Fighting Hawks is a deeply, de- I mean, it's, you want to talk about, it's, it's, it's like a black hole of enthusiasm, right? right? I mean, I look at that, it's terrible. Like, I, I understand the Fighting Sioux had to go. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they took something that a lot of people really cared about it and, and replaced it with something that I, I, I think it, it's almost like you would have to do like, like, like like empathy exercises or something to care about this thing. Like you'd have to like gear yourself up. This thing it sucks. <laughs> it's it's too terrible. New. There's no way for even a university to fall in love with the new name yet, even if it was the greatest name of the world when you had a different name for eighty years. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. not. Yeah. 
All right, so fair enough. So so basically, she blows him off, just like you know. Uh, he's like, you know, are you gonna are you gonna divide us? Are you gonna be inclusive? What are you gonna do? And basically, she just said, "Here's what it looks like. This is what we're doing." And I should say, by the way, the design you can see the design for what um, for for what she's proposing at sayanythingblog.com. I have the image from the emails. The fighting hawks are there. It's at the ends of the um, it's at the ends of the. Uh, the, the 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 playing space uh i don't know what you call it. under the baskets basically mm-hmm. it says fighting hawks it's just in the middle it says north dakota and green and that's it and so the president so we're having a food fight between these two over the center like fighting hawks is there it's just the president wants it in the center and uh you know the angleson family apparently does not um anyway so so then kennedy fires back and this is great he says, uh, he says in part, and, and I got all these emails up at sailingblog.com. He says, in part, as the landlord and sole beneficiary of the financial results of the Ralph Engelson Arena, the university expects that none of the REA's resources, staff, or outside services should have been expended for the drafting of the attached unauthorized proposal, much less in proceeding with its being painted on the floor of the Betty Engelstead Sioux Center. Your communication suggests that criteria other then what is in the best interest of the university, our athletic programs, or athletes is driving the board's decisions to the extent that the foundational documents governing the relationship between the University of North Dakota and the REA are being violated. UND continues to reserve our rights. Um, now, I, I also question, like, well, so where is it at? I mean, did they end up painting this on the floor? I asked uh, UND spokesman Peter Johnson. This is where, he, where what he said to me this morning. He said, I'm not sure where that is. I'm not sure where that is at. The work may have started, or it may start soon. Uh, Chris Engelson, McGarry would like North Dakota at center court. We would like the Fighting Hawk logo, as described by President Kennedy in his emails. I um, may or may not know if the work has started. They know yeah. when the work has started. That, I'm not sure where I, it is at. I, I'm not uh, not big on the answer. And I, I, President uh, Kennedy sure is doing a great job of flamethrowing a, a, yeah. ra- a relationship that is vital to that school, the Engelstead family. I mean, I, I don't think they should be held hostage by the Ingolstead family, but right. the letter that he puts out there, that shouldn't be a letter. That should be President Kennedy setting up a meeting with the family or the foundation and going over and talking to them and trying to build a relationship and, and explaining things. All you're going to do is end up with an angry response or a no response coming back the other way because they don't owe yeah. UND anything, and they give UND millions of dollars every year. So, so the last email in the whole chain, and you can, you can read all the emails I got at sayanythingblog.com, but the last email is basically Kennedy trying to set up, because I guess Gary is coming to Grand Forks, and he's trying to like set up a reception for her or whatever. I, and I don't know what happened with that. But I do know that when McCary went to Grand Forks, she sat down with the Grand Forks Herald editorial board and started talking about how Kennedy was you know, basically destroying the relationship between the university and the Engelstead family. Yeah. She basically, so she went, she was, went to the press. It was a hostile relationship. And then he released yeah. a statement the day after that came out uh, or the day that it came out and said, Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I don't know. know I, I've been very cordial yeah. and everything. And, and to me, I mean, he's not like, to be clear, he's not like throwing around. He's not name calling or anything in this stuff. You know, and he is always like, he repeatedly thanks them for, you know, all the gifts they've given the university over the years. Um, but he is. I mean, this is some sharply worded stuff, you know, where he's talking about how they're dividing everybody all over a logo in the middle of the floor. You know, it just goes to show. I mean, people say and, and that was the thing because McGarry was out and she was saying, oh, well, this has nothing to do with the Fighting Sioux logo, except it kind of does. Right. Not the Fighting Sioux logo directly, but certainly maybe an unwillingness to fully embrace its replacement. 
I think so they don't almost, want it painted in the middle of the floor. I think you'd almost have to get the their the words from them though saying that. I mean, I I don't know what their reasoning was. You know, well, she's well, there's an article. There was an article uh, Tom Miller wrote for the Grand Forks Herald. So she specifically said, "We don't want anything but the old Native American logo. If it's not that, well, no, 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 she no, be... she no, no, she didn't say that. No, they, they weren't saying anything that they want the Finding Sioux logo. But what they are saying is they don't want the Finding Hawks logo on the floor. That's what they're saying. They don't want it in the center of the floor. So what? What other motivation can for can be that they don't like that logo? What's the other motivation? I don't know. Let's take a break. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. What do you think of all this? More logo controversy at the University of North Dakota. We'll be back after this. Don't go away. Talking about this situation at the University of North Dakota, a little food fight. And, again, there was just, you know, going into the break, you know, uh, there was actually a, there was a May 10th article written by Tom Miller, published of the Grand Forks Herald. The headline, Chris Engelstead McGarry, damaged relationship not tied to nickname issue. Um, and she said during a nearly 90-minute interview with the Herald editorial board Wednesday, Chris Engelstead McGarry, the daughter of late UND donor Ralph Engelstead and the head of the Engelstead Family Foundation, outlined a damaged relationship with UND uh, President Mark Kennedy. Um her current discontent with the school's administration, however, isn't a result of the university's retirement of the Fighting Sioux nickname and logo, she said. I, I take that to be a little bit, just a little bit disingenuous. I think it's a little bit disingenuous just because, okay, it's not about the Fighting Sioux logo specifically, but it's about its replacement. And the family apparently not wanting it at center court at the Betty Engelstead Sioux Center. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Caller, Scott, you're on. What's up? Hey, Rob. Yeah, I got a few thoughts on this. Um, you know, when, when an organization goes out and solicits money, donations, you're looking for people to share your vision. And sometimes you run into a donor that wants to make a gift but put conditions on it and the organization has got to walk away from it, even though those dollars are dangling there. I think in this situation, things have changed. I think that they need to have a press conference or something and say we're parting ways. Uh, we obviously don't share vision uh, for our university. Boy, I don't know. I mean, I listen, I, I get what you're saying, Scott, because my take is I, 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 think, I think President Kennedy – has taken the brunt of the criticism over this so far. Uh, and some of it I think he's deserved. If you read these emails, the, I, I think he could have done better with his tone. That said, yeah. I think the Engelstead family is being a little bit unreasonable. I mean, it's it's the center and the logo. Of, it's. I think they're being a little bit unreasonable. I, I, I don't understand what the big deal is. I mean, they're already putting the Fighting Hawks uh, name on the ends of the court. Why not just put it at center court? Is it, is it really that big of a deal that we're going to get into a food fight about this. But but to your point, though, for the university to just cut ties with the Angelsteads, who have given millions upon millions of dollars, you know, both in terms of, of stuff that they've built for the university, direct donations to the university, um, millions and millions of dollars to walk away over that. I mean, the same argument to them. You're going to walk away over it, over a logo in the center of the court? Um, I, I think both sides needs to back down over this. Yeah, well, I tell you what, they got themselves quite a quagmire up there in Grand Forks, and uh, someone's got to take the bull by the horns. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Again, I the University of North Dakota, it's a it's a it's a public institution, 
and they can't be held hostage by by a private donor. I, I think that's I think that's the point you're trying to make, Scott, and I agree with it. Um, that said, is this as big an issue as, as President Kennedy's making it out to be? I'm not so sure. I also don't think it's as big an issue as as, as the Engelstead family apparently thinks it is. This seems like a silly thing. And let's not remember, this is not the only issue at play. There's also an ongoing dispute over ticket revenues uh, for, from the contract negotiation. This is just, I, I think previously everybody kind of thought it was about that. This, this is this is an ancillary issue to that. So there's a lot going on here. Thanks for the call, Scott. Appreciate it. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. You can send me tweets, too, at Rob Port. Kurt emails, as much as they have done for the school, Kennedy should be asking her if pink North Dakota lettering would be okay. Um, I don't. I don't know that I agree with that. I mean, I. I think President Kennedy does have a duty to stand up for his institution a little bit. He, he as, does. As, but Rob, if you own a business and you have a client, and we're just, I'm changing the table here a little bit, but you have a client that does even a hundred thousand dollars worth of business with you, or a million dollars worth of business with you, and you could say millions in this case. I get off my duff and I go meet with them or I find a way. I don't fire off an email because I, 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 did, I did not find a lot of warmth in the response that he sent back to them. Yeah. If you um, – and I, I think you're right. I, I, I think the minute you sense that, oh, wait a minute, there's some unhappiness here or there's some friction here, I think that's the point of, hey, let's, let's get in the same room together. Let's let's sit down. Let's talk this out. We have a long relationship. Let's figure it out. Kennedy didn't do it. That's to his detriment. I'm sitting here, though. It's a logo at the middle of a basketball court. Is it really worth escalating to this point? I'm not so sure it is. Uh, we'll be back. More of the Rob Report straight ahead. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report, 970 WDYAM, 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. All right, we're going to talk about North Dakota Senate race a little bit. I I don't I don't know if I've hit my quota today for how often I'm allowed to talk about this yet, but I guess we're going to do it anyway because uh, it's important. It's the hottest race in the state, and uh, things are happening in it, including today Congressman Kevin Kramer releasing his first video ad of the cycle, uh, and it's a doozy. Uh, as a matter of fact, we've got I I just we got the audio of it. You can watch the video. It's a video ad. We got the audio because the audio is really. It's really the most affecting part of this. You can uh, you can watch the video at sayanythingblog.com. The um, I, I honestly think what you're going to hear is Senator Heidi Heitkamp endorsing Hillary Clinton in 2016 uh, at a at a rally. Now Hillary Clinton, of course, got she didn't even get 30 percent of the vote in North Dakota. Hugely unpopular here, and so that's uh, superficially that's the big point Kevin Kramer's making. Uh, but this this audio, I, I mean, it's just I, I wouldn't even you're going to hear other, like a voiceover in the ad about Heidi Heitkamp. She's a reliable vote for, for liberal interests, et cetera, et cetera. I wouldn't have done the voiceover or anything. I would have just gone with Heitkamp's audio, just play the audio uh, and then at the end have Kramer do his uh, federally mandated I approve of this message thing. Anyway, p- play the audio. Play this. We're this supporting Hillary Clinton. Heidi Heitkamp loved Hillary Clinton. Because she is going to be one of the greatest presidents of the United States of America. Hillary lost, but Heidi remains a reliable vote for these liberal ideas. Repealing your tax cut. Keeping Obamacare. Permitting late-term abortions. When you think about it, Heidi consistently votes against our North Dakota values. I'm Kevin Kramer, candidate for Senate, and I approve this message. 
All right, let's uh, play play that for. Can you play that first part of the audio again, Eric? Just just the audio of of Senator Heitkamp. Just just so we get past there. We're supporting Hillary Clinton. Heidi Heitkamp loved Hillary Clinton. Because she is going to be one of the greatest presidents of the United States of America. Hillary lost. Wow. I I just, that audio, I think, is going to resonate with a lot of people. I I mean, it's the sort of thing. And listen, we're going to get to a point where campaign ads in this race drown each other out, right? Already it gets to the point where these things are kind of in the background. Right. You, you just kind of you hear them. They all kind of sound the same. Um, that audio of Senator Heitkamp shouting, I mean, literally getting shouty about her support of Hillary Clinton, I think is going to resonate in a big way. I think it's going to be the sort of ad that's going to make people stop. It's going to make people turn and look. And for Kramer, that's a very good thing. Now, I, I also think it's interesting because this obviously is a negative ad. By the way, if you want to join in, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com, email, or uh, excuse me, tweet me, at Rob Port. Um, what's interesting about this is because this is this is a negative ad, right? I mean, this is a, it's even got the scary negative political ad music. I feel like that's probably like a genre on Spotify, Eric, right? Scary political ad music. <laughs> it should be. The do-do-do-do-do-do-do, that kind of music. Um, the, uh, I, I, that, that sort of thing, um, it's, it's a negative ad. I mean, it, it, it's a negative ad. So, so far we have Hillary, or excuse me, not Hillary Clinton, goodness, Heidi Heitkamp out with two ads. One ad is, uh, basically a, a recycling of a 2012 campaign ad she did with her family. Very positive one. You know, so it's supposed to be lighthearted and funny. Uh, the second ad that she's come out with is, uh, you know, another ad, you know, sort of touting, uh, you know, how much she likes to work across the aisle. She likes to work Republican, you know, setting her, setting Senator Heitkamp up as being this, bi- you know, paragon of bipartisanship. You know, even even going so far, and this is unusual, I mean, given how much the Democrat, the Demo- the, nationally, the Democratic Party is literally suing Donald Trump. But locally, Heidi Heitkamp's talking about how often she votes for him. So those are both very positive ads. Meanwhile, Kevin Kramer going negative now what does this tell us high camp's going positive kramer's going negative but we have some public polling for morning consult which shows senator high camp's approval numbers going from 60 percent in july of last year down to 44 percent earlier this year back in march that is a massive decline in her approval numbers that is a massive trend going down for her approval numbers so What's happening with these ads? Well, Senator Heitkamp, I, I actually argued when Senator Heitkamp released, you know, re-released that 2012 campaign ad. When she re-released it, I my argument was that was Senator Heitkamp rushing to get something in front of the public, something positive about the senator in front of the public uh, because she was bleeding, because her polling numbers are falling. And I, I think that she's still doing that. I, I, I think... I think if Senator Heitkamp was in a different place, I think if her approval numbers were still at 60%, she'd be going negative on Kevin Kramer right now in terms of her ad. Now, her surrogates, her brother on his radio show and, and, and the Democratic Party and everything, they're going negative on Kevin Kramer. But what's important is the messaging that's coming from the candidate herself. And the messaging from Heidi Heitkamp so far is all positive. She's trying to raise her positive numbers back up, which means they're down. And Kramer, meanwhile, is not, doesn't seem to be worried about his positives, at least not at this point. He's going after Heitkamp. He's going negative. So I, I think what that tells us is that polling from Morning Consult, probably pretty accurate. Again, showing 
Senator Heitkamp's approval number going from 60% to 44%. 49% of respondents in that poll saying they would rather see somebody other than Heidi Heitkamp elected. Those are ugly numbers. Heidi Heitkamp, I think I think that's her, her marketing strategy so far, is try to combat that. Eventually she'll go negative. But for now, I think she knows she's in trouble with her, her, her you know, the public's perception of her. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Caller, Karen, you're on. What's up? Hillary Clinton actually got more votes than Donald Trump. So more people wanted her than him. And her polling numbers were higher. So, so much for polls. Not North Dakota, though. Well, that's... And we're, that's ta- we're talking about a North Dakota Senate race. I mean, you're right. Nationally, you're right. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Uh, I don't know what polling... I don't know that I've seen specific polling between the two. Um, I, I've seen polling where Hillary Clinton was worse than Donald Trump, but I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to compare. He's the president now, and she's not. It, that's kind of a that's what I'm saying. That's the but. polls uh, may not be right, and they may not be accurate. Maybe. See, but I, see that that's the point I'm trying to make. Because you're right. Any given poll, Karen, could be inaccurate. So, so the morning consult poll I'm talking about, which over over the, the course of of multiple polls, I mean, there, there've been polling quarterly. Uh, and then they released an extra poll, I think, uh, earlier this month. Um, their their polling has shown Senator Heitkamp going from 66% to 44% her they? approval number. That's Morning Consult. They're what a polling outfit. They, they It's a polling company. They poll with companies like Politico. Um, well, I don't know if they're any good. Okay. Well, they're pretty well respected. They've got a pretty good rating from 538.com, which grades pollsters. So, they're pretty widely respected, but I'm 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 conceding. I'm acknowledging your point, Karen. They could be wrong, which is why I think actually Morning Consult's numbers are bolstered by the way the candidates themselves are acting, because the candidates themselves are polling internally all the time. Now they don't release most of their polling data to the public. They're polling for themselves all the time, and so what I think is the Morning Consult poll. That's a public poll. We can all see that poll. That shows Senator Heitkamp's approval numbers crater cratering. But what speaks louder than any of that is how the candidates themselves act. So we have Senator Heitkamp out the door, and she's got positive ads about herself. What's the intent of positive ads about herself, about her biography, about her background, about how willing she is to work with Republicans? That's about improving the senator's, um, improving the senator's perception with the public, which to me tells me for the campaign that's priority number one, which to me t- tells me it's a problem for them. Her approval numbers are tanking. And then Kevin Kramer comes out negative. What does he want? He wants those approval numbers to stay down. I think that's looking at, at the way the, the, act, the candidates themselves are acting and the little bit, the scant bit of public polling we have available. I think that's the accurate take on this race. Senator Heitkamp's numbers are down. They may not stay down. She may be able to improve them. But at this moment in the race, Senator Heitkamp's numbers are down. They're trying to get them back up. More to come straight ahead. What do you think? 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Port 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. You know what's remarkable to me is, is how much feedback stories, because I, I, I feel like I, I cover a lot of important stories about the universities and money and budgets and everything. Uh, collegiate sports really brings people out of the woodwork. Collegiate sports must be really popular, Eric, huh? A lot of people watch college sports. Well, 
you're kind of in a market where it really doesn't have its own national, you know, sports franchise. So, I mean, there's a lot of Twins and Vikings fans, but it's kind of like that small town, you know, around here, whether it's Holly or Lake Park or whatever, fans or people go crazy about their high school team. But for here, college sports seems to be number one, or at least this region, UND, yeah. with its national championships in hockey and NDSU with its national championships in football. People have invested a lot of time and money. A lot of reactions earlier in the program talking about this uh, this spat between the Engelstead family, who uh, you know obviously Ralph Engelstead Arena, the the Betty Engelstead Sioux Center, and and numerous other gifts made to the university over the years. A little bit of a spat with the current president, and you know the the Engelstead uh, descendant. Um, Going to the media, um, basically, you know, the, the head of the current Engelstead Foundation, you know, going to the media, talking about it, um, at least part of the spat over a, a logo in the middle of a, of a basketball court. Um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, the whole thing just seems a little silly. Anyway, a uh, listener says, I feel the Hawk logo would look good, outstanding at midcourt. Coloring and contrast on a tan floor would work well. Yeah, I Except for the I fact agree. they got the Philadelphia Eagles bird. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. <laughs> I kind of think, I kind of think sometimes it looks like the like the post office. Oh, really? That's how I think yeah, it looks like. It's a little bit more cartoonish. I think the biggest problem here is, you know, President Kennedy has a few other nicks on his character, and that's why I think this is getting the focal point. If he had not, you know, done anything or his name hadn't been brought up in the news in recent months, this probably wouldn't be as big a deal, but this is kind of like strike two or strike three of incidents. Yeah. We'd have to start digging back, but it hasn't been exactly the most popular time. Well, I mean, we had, I mean, we had the thing about like the the drink pour, right? With the, the the employee were hiring to pour drinks at the president's receptions. I mean, it's just. Do you get the idea sometimes that we? I feel like sometimes we build these president jobs into something. Um, I feel like we make these people more important than they really should be. I would agree with that. I think I think I think we've done too much. Like we we've, we've built it up so much. I mean, every time we hire a new president, we're spending thousands and thousands of dollars. I mean, tens of thousands of dollars on the sometimes six figures on these like search committees, and we do all this stuff and we're recruiting nationally. I wonder if we just if we just tamped it down a little bit. I mean, maybe the problem we go through all that and we get these people with these enormous egos. Coming in the north, not just at UND, but other campuses too. NDSU's got one as well. They come in with these Vershani, enormous egos, and they I, just they just create problems. I think Dean Vershani has been been pretty good. It's, it's later President, lately. President Chapman was the one that I just like. Wow, I, I don't know. Vershani, we had a problem. He's flying a private plane, university owned private plane, to Bismarck to complain about their budgets. So he pulls a Bergam. What do you want? I'm yeah, just well, that's <laughs> Bergam's the governor. That's a little different than the president of the university. I, I just, I, I, I think, I think in general, we've built it up too much. We, we expect these people to come in. Uh, it's almost, I mean, we're almost setting them up for failure. Like they come in and they got these grand visions and they're mm-hmm. going to do this, that. I would, I would, I would like to see a turn to a more utilitarian approach to this, where it's just more like, like let's maybe look at promoting from within more often. That and slash that uh, salary t- to about half, and that's still a great paying job. He's yeah, getting paid just, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year, and yet our schools are losing money, and kids have ha- got huge debt. You can't tell me you can't find somebody to run a university for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars that can't feed their family, right? And it's not that. I mean, it's honestly, and, and I know this is going to come as anathema to people in higher ed. It's not that complicated. 
It's really not. And they have lots of support people. It's not like they're yeah. doing it by themselves. There are, there are people who are the vice president of something or the other, the, the provost in charge of something. I'm not real sure what they do at some of these universities. Anyway, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk about Tiger Swan. Remember them? They were a private security contractor during the Dakota Access Pipeline protest. They've got a dispute with a state licensing board, which says that they should have had a security license. They said they didn't need one. They're trying to settle the matter. We'll talk with them next year on the Rob Report, 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. Don't go away. Welcome back to Rob Report, 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. talk at WDY.com. We uh, hopefully in a moment going to have uh, our guest, Wesley Fricks, on. He's a government affairs representative from Tiger Swan. They're security out, private security outfit that worked the Dakota Access Pipeline protests. Uh, made a lot of news and, and, and also accused by the North Dakota Private Investigation Security Board of uh, not being properly licensed uh, to be operating in the state of North Dakota. That dispute is ongoing. But joining me now is Wesley Fricks. Wesley, how's it going? Hey, Rob. It's, uh, it's going well. It's great to be with you. Great to be with you. Uh, now, you're the government affairs for uh, Tiger Swan. I understand you're at a meeting of the North Dakota Private Investigation Security Board today. Um, give us a background. I mean, what is what is this dispute over? What 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 are they saying you guys did wrong? Well, you know, our our role in in the Dakota Access Pipeline was we were we were brought in uh, after the dog incident in August to provide risk management consulting services um, for their uh, for this project. And so we came in, we did that. We had some consultant advisors who assimilated information, produced reports. And provided it to um, the company, as well as you know, they were widely shared with law enforcement and other services involved in the this kind of multi uh, interagency effort. And um, so that was our role. And uh, the board asked us uh, what you know what we were doing. We explained to them. Fast forward to we get a, a, a lawsuit in civil court against us, saying you know they're trying to get an injunction against us, and you know. We were doing all this stuff, and so that's where we are right now. So I flew up here last night. This was the uh, kind of the, the most recent board meeting since some earlier court rulings, and just said, "Hey, you know, we'd love to talk and, and try to settle this," which is which is which the what the judge advised in one of his earlier motions. He was like, "You guys need to take a break, take a step back, and try to figure this thing out." So that's what we're up here well, doing. Well, that's I, I was going to say because, like, like, like you said, I mean, this is the the private investigation security board. My understanding is they have filed suit against your organization, saying you are not properly licensed. Uh, and what are they seeking? I mean, what what is the goal of their lawsuit? They want you to like pay a fine, or what is it they're looking for? Well, I mean, it, it, at the heart of their case, and the reason it went to um, district court was they filed an injunction against us. Um, the interesting thing about that is they had filed an injunction against us after we were no longer here and we were no longer providing any services whatsoever in North Dakota. So the judge recently threw their, uh, their, that, that, uh, their motion for injunctive relief out, um, which from our perspective now this resorts back to, uh, an administrative action. So, and that's what we're trying to talk with them, talk with them over. The uh, so, so basically, uh, it, it, help me help me understand. Help, help the audience understand what's going on here, because I think a lot of people are hearing that you're a private security consulting firm. You came here to work security in the state of North Dakota. 
why shouldn't you have to be licensed to work here? I think maybe a lot of people are struggling with that. Yeah, and and, and, and that's fair. We've been cast as a uh, as as a security firm, but uh, you know we're a risk management consultancy. We advise clients on a range of issues. Um, in some instances, we provide security, but that is not what we lead with. We aren't always, um, you know, guys and guards and trucks. You know, it's not always, or you know, guys and gates and trucks. It's not always. Um, it's not always. The, the, the problem set doesn't always require for that to be the solution. So we came up here. There was tons of security already involved in, in the Dakota Access Line, you know, the DAPL um, project. I mean, there were, there were all kinds of security companies. Some were licensed, some weren't, who were all over the project. We came in and tried to bring some uh, uh, kind of a consolidated view of information that was being gathered by all these different parts and try to streamline the effort and coordinate it for the client. So it truly was a advisory role. We didn't have guys on the ground providing security. So I think that's where the difference is. You know, we're a service-disabled veteran-owned small business. Um, guys in our company, you know, served the country for, you know, 20, 25, 30 years um, in various branches of the, uh, of the military. And so when people look at a company like us, they want to say, oh, y'all are this, and, you know, they, they, they predetermine what services we provide, and they're, and they're totally off base, particularly in this one. So what you're saying is you came to North Dakota, you did not provide what, what would be defined as security services in North Dakota, which I think most of us, and again, I mean, I understand your business is very complicated. I think most of us on the outside are looking at it, you know, we hear security, we think, uh, guy in uniform with a walkie-talkie, um, sure. you know, patrolling. I mean, that's I, you know, I, that's probably what most of us have have experience with. Um, so, so what you, you're saying, you didn't provide any services like that at all in North Dakota. That's correct. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday.com. Now, I understand you have an ongoing meeting in Bismarck today with the Private Investigation and Security Board. Um, you had tried to get on their agenda. T- tell us about the meeting today. What's going on? So it's just a regular board meeting. So we received a um, – th- there have been some motions filed back and forth uh, with, the, with the district court. And in one of the, uh, one of the judge's rulings, um, he, he advised – he was like, hey, he goes, you guys, this has become very litigious. You guys need to take a step back and figure this out. And it, this was the first board meeting that has – that has been held since that came out. And uh, so I came up here and we wanted to kind of follow the judge's direction. You know, after that, after his guidance on that, he threw out the motion, their uh, their motion for injunctive relief. And so we're like, hey, there, there's, there's nothing here for, for district court, in our opinion. This is an administrative issue. Let's work together and figure it out. And you're correct. I mean, we asked to be on the agenda. We weren't. Uh, we weren't allowed to be on the agenda. Uh, I will say during this meeting, which is still ongoing, they're in executive session right now. They did grant us uh, a few minutes to um, to say our piece, and it was nothing more than you know we want to we want to work with you all to come to a uh, to a proper resolution on this. It's it's interesting what what's going on. Um, what what exactly? I mean, in order to what would you have had to done? I mean, what was their expectation of you in terms of a license? I, at one point, I was a licensed private investigator in North Dakota. That's different than security, but 
licensed by the same organization. Uh, I remember it, it didn't cost that much money. I mean, so they're they're going to war with you. They're they're dragging you into court over what? I mean, what is it? Was it like a five hundred dollar permit? I mean, what what was their expectation of you? Um, that that's what we're trying to figure out, and that's what we're open to discussing. We're like, you know, what what is it you're seeking? We aren't we aren't doing business in here. We don't have any business interests here now. Um, and 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 how can we work together to solve this? And we haven't we haven't have had an opportunity to really have that have that conversation. All of their conversations are held in executive session with their attorney, so it's hard to get really any any visibility on you know what they want uh, out of us. So we're are, I mean, are to you... make every effort we can to to have a dialogue. Are you, are you, are you I mean are you open to at this point like like just retroactively paying the licensing fee or whatever that is? I mean, is that the sort of thing that you're open to discussing? Yeah, well, yeah I mean, we have we, we want to be licensed in North Dakota. We had, until this, we had a great experience here. We worked with some uh, and met with some incredible people. Uh, we tried to do our best to provide the right information so law enforcement and, and again, the interagency effort could, could better respond uh, to, the, to the protest environment. So yeah, we 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 want to be licensed here, and we want to discuss with the board what does it take to make that happen. Because where we are right now is they have you know based on some some online blogs, they have accused us of doing a lot of things that we did not do, and we've had affidavits submitted under oath in our filings from sheriffs, from contractors on the ground, our own folks that said this is what we did. This is we did not do what you said, what you're saying. And so we're really just trying to be like, where is your what evidence do you have? And we haven't seen any from their side. And that's where it's really frustrating because we're at this loggerhead involved in a very expensive legal process. And we, you know, we're just trying to resolve it as fast as we can so that we can be effectively uh, licensed here in the state. I got to tell you, I mean, just. From a much larger perspective, I mean, just as a resident of North Dakota, somebody who wants, we want businesses to come and do business here, whatever your business happens to be security consulting, but, you know, we want people to come here. And I I feel sometimes like occupational licensing, you know, we almost treat it like guilds. I mean, some of these groups, they get super protective of their turf and they they don't like outsiders coming in and just providing these services. Do, do you get a sense that that's some of what's going on here? That that maybe they feel like uh, oh these you know they brought in these out of staters. Maybe they should have hired locally. Uh, we're going to show these out of staters how we do it in North Dakota. Do, do you sense that attitude going on? You know, I mean, the licensing issue is is a complex one, and and by design, it's set up with with interest in the in the in the home state to get to decide who gets to play and who doesn't so so by design it's set up to where competition could be kept out now i haven't seen anything from the members of this board who were were very nice today to allow us a few minutes to say our piece although their attorney did not want us to say anything they were very nice and 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 wanted us to to have that opportunity i will say more broadly though the, the licensing issue can be very, um, you know, pre- prevent competition, to your point. It can be very onerous. And we're dealing with, look, we're, this is our 10th year of business. Um, our founder left the military, served disabled veterans, had, a, had an idea for the small business. He's grown it. We have licenses in numerous states, in numerous countries. 
we have never dealt with an issue like this in the history of our company. So this is, I don't know if it's North Dakota, but it's very unique, and we are just dealing with it the best we can. Well, I, I, I can tell you, as a North Dakotan, I mean, my expectation, the, the North Dakota Private Investigation Security Board doesn't serve their industry. They serve the public. And the public's interest, to me, is when you have a need that you're able to, to easily, you know, select from among, a, you know, a number of different companies or individuals providing those services uh, to provide them. And in my expectation, I, I don't necessarily have anything wrong with licensing and through licensing, you know, a, affecting some level of, of professional standards. Uh, but licensing shouldn't be onerous. I mean, what, what we had with the Dakota Access Pipeline, it was, a, it was an emergent situation. It was a situation that was quickly spiraling out of control. The pipeline company rightly uh, said, you know, we need to get some professionals on the scene. We need to get some people here who can help us uh, protect ourselves, protect our property, uh, and, and, and keep this help, help keep, along with, obviously, law enforcement, help keep this situation under control. They turned to you folks. Um, so, so the idea that our licensing board here would be hassling and dragging this out into a legal fight, um, frankly, I don't think reflects well on them. Um, in state, out of state, it doesn't matter. Uh, to me, this is about we, we like to think of ourselves as being a business-friendly state. This doesn't seem very friendly to me, Mr. Fricks. Well, it's, um, <laughs> it hasn't been friendly. I can say that. And we are hoping to uh, try to make it as amicable as possible and to wrap this up. Um, again, it's just nothing we have ever dealt with. Uh, we, we've always, I was, I was explaining to somebody earlier, like the beginning of our staff meetings, we start out with kind of our licensing matrix. Where are we? What are we doing? What do we need? What do we have? What's expiring? I mean, we take it very seriously. And to kind of run afoul of something like this, and to have it, I mean, it's been going on for almost a year. Uh, and, you know, it becomes very, very costly. And other, other states look at this. Um, and, you know, you have to spend a lot of time explaining, uh, explaining what's happening. So it definitely is reverberating outside of the state because other, other, others are, you know, looking at it, asking about it, and, you know, just trying to get our, understand our experience. Uh, well, Wesley, thanks for your time and good luck. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Have a great day. It's Wesley Fricks, uh, Government Affairs for Tiger Swan, like I said, a private security consulting firm uh, here in North Dakota. I mean, whatever else you think about the protests or anything like that, I mean, really, this is a license, occupational licensing issue. And my experience is a lot of those occupational licensing things, they get a lot of mission creep, and it goes well beyond, hey, let's make sure everybody's being professional and, and doing business above board to, uh, hey, let's protect ourselves from competition. More to come straight ahead. The Rob Report, 970 WDY AM, 93.1 FM. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Report, 970 WDY AM, 93.1 FM, 712-939-3000, 888-888-970-9329. talk at WDAY.com. Uh, yeah, the, again, I, I, I think a lot of that, I think a lot, we just had a get our guest on um, Wesley Fricks from Tiger Swan, which has been in the news a lot, people saying that, you know, I don't know. There's so much. There's so much disinformation out there about the Dakota Access Pipeline protest. I, I think the thing is, you got to set the protest issue aside. This is really an occupational licensing issue, and again, um, getting licensed as a security firm in in a place like North Dakota, Eric, is not that expensive. I, I mean, it's it's less than a thousand dollars. Yeah, guessing. there should be an easier solution to this whole thing, though. Than I, I don't, I don't understand why we need to go to court and everything. I mean, just let them buy a license. Let's move on. 
Um, I think what happened is maybe some I, – I, and this is just pure speculation on my part, but I have a feeling there might be some some security interests, security company interests here in North Dakota that got mad that, that they went out of state. They didn't hire anybody in state. That oh. probably was a pretty big contract. I think there was a lot of lessons learned during that whole DAPL process, and so to yeah. get these guys you know, caught in the honey here a little bit seems a bit strange, so – for sure. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, Kevin writes, we were talking about, um, Kevin Kramer has an ad out. Congressman Kevin Kramer has an ad out, uh, that features the audio of Senator Heidi Heitkamp endorsing enthusiastically. I think that's a fair word for how she was doing it. Enthusiastically, Eric. She was doing the Hillary it, yell. Yeah. It was, it was, the, it was a yell. It was boisterous. That's a good word too. Um, she, she was she, she was shouting. She's shouting her support for Hillary Clinton. Uh, he's running that in an ad. Uh, a caller called in and said, "Well, Hillary Clinton won the national vote, and that's not really pertinent to North Dakota Senate election." Heidi, or, uh, Hillary Clinton didn't come even close to winning the popular vote here in North Dakota. Kevin emails. He goes, "Where did Hillary Clinton win the popular vote? In three counties on the East Coast. They don't speak for the rest of the country." Um. Well, she she won the national she won the national popular vote. She won it by a few million votes, right? Yeah, a few million votes. Unless you're going national- to Donald Trump's math, then it's a little suspect. But yeah, the official right. results were a couple million. Hillary Clinton won won the national vote, popular vote. She she won the national popular vote. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump won the electoral college. That's the one that matters. Um, and I I like the electoral college. I've always liked the, the electoral college. I've always pushed back against the idea. The electoral college protects states like North Dakota. You want to talk about how divided. The country is, you know, you see all that red in the middle and quote unquote mm-hmm. flyover country, and then you see the little patches of blue in the urban and coastal areas. Uh, the Electoral College protects us from that being even worse. Yeah, right? I mean, I, I get that, but here's the thing: it's like, boy, if you win New York and California, and you get those electoral votes, I mean, they have huge numbers. Although I can't remember, California is all or nothing. I can't remember if New York is all or nothing. Because some states are different as far as delegates go. So I, I, I think I think you if if, if you're worried about the uh, the outcome, stop making them all or nothing, right? I mean, you, if mm-hmm. you want the electoral college to be more reflective, stop making it all or nothing. Don't do that. You know, proportion the the electoral college votes out. I think that's a better solution. But I don't I don't want to necessarily elect the president on the national popular vote because I mean you're saying okay, well you win New York's delegates, you win. You know, California's delegates, and now all of a sudden uh, you've won the country. Well, look at the popular vote, though. I mean, you win, like, L.A., you know, you win New York, you know, you've you've won. Uh, you know, so, I mean, it's it's problems both ways. I like the Electoral College. So, But anyway, here in North Dakota, Trump didn't win every county here in North Dakota. I was actually, I actually looked up the map during the break. Hmm. Uh, Trump lost in uh, Rollette County and Sioux County, which, of course, are two... Uh, Native American organ. To be uh, honest, if I would have thought a county that he would have lost in would have been like Cass or Grand Forks, because those are much more democratic locations than anywhere else in the state. He won. He won in Cass County, and he actually won by a lot. He won by about eight thousand five hundred votes in Cass County. He did, still didn't get a majority in Cass County. He got forty nine point three percent. Hillary Clinton got thirty eight point eight percent. Uh, the rest of them, um, third place was the Libertarian, Johnson, got 7.5% of the vote. In Cass That's County. interesting. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the point is uh, Trump lost two counties here in North Dakota. Uh, emailer continues, uh, Heitkamp is not for the people of North Dakota. She is just like the other career D.C. politicians. Uh, she only says what she thinks North Dakotans want to hear just to get elected. She talks out of both sides of her mouth. 
888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, Kyle messages, the main stats we need to look at is the overwhelming majority in North Dakota supported Trump and our senator supported someone who her constituents don't support. And she still does, I'm sure, but not when it's inconvenient for her. Speaking of that, speaking about doing things that's inconvenient, I thought it was interesting that Senator Heitkamp all of a sudden this week, uh, or was it late last week? It might have been late last week. Uh, she come out, She came out swinging about North Dakota's voter ID laws, and and she's saying, oh, uh, you know, they were they were clearly passed, clearly passed to target uh, Native American and college voters, right? Well, those laws passed in 2015. Uh, where was where was the senator during the 2016? Oh, she wasn't on the ballot. I guess it didn't matter as much if she's not on the ballot. Caller, Ken, you're on. What's up? Not a lot of time, Ken. Well, if we go back to the Gore-Bush election, first one, the, 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 the difference in Florida over all of the millions of votes cast was 537. And, and everybody who's fairly old understands how hanging chats and dimpled chats and, and the fights, and even the Frank and uh, Coleman um, uh, race. If that was national, if they, were, if they were starting to root around nationally and look at every, every state, every county, I mean, that, that was just Florida, and look at how much of a mess that was. That's what the Electoral College uh, protect. One of the things it does is, is, is it makes a bunch of, of mini races that then all add up to something. Yeah. Well, I, and I, I think that's a good thing. I, I think, listen, I, I, I don't want, I, 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 the president's the president of the whole country, and I don't want the president selected on what a few densely populated enclaves think. Um, geography should matter in this. And so I, if, if we get rid of the, the electoral college, we're going to be governed even more. I think we're going to see even more polarization between the more rural or quote unquote flyover areas and the, uh, the urban coastal areas. Ken, thanks for the call. Got to keep moving. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Speaking of voting, there's a new ballot measure out. Secretary of State issued the press release yesterday. Uh, it's about they want to add in the Constitution that non-citizens can't vote. Do we need this? Chairman of the Measure Committee, Gary Emineth, joins me next. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Port 970, WDAY, AM 93.1 FM. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, you can send me tweets, too, at Rob Port. You know what I was tweeting about during the break, Eric? Uh, Robbie Cano, don't you know, former uh, New York Yankee, <laughs> current Mariners, testing positive for P. Well, not, I should say, I should say, he tested positive for, I, I guess, a supplement or something like that you could take. It's the sort of thing that you take to cover up PED use. Nice. So he's joining Jorge Polanco on the uh, sideline, the Twins player that's also out for 80 games. And here's the other interesting thing is that he is now also ineligible for the postseason. So if the Mariners make it, even if he comes back in time, he's done for postseason. Same thing with Jorge. You know, it's just, it's awful. Because he was, I mean, he's on Hall of Fame track. I mean, he finishes out his career. He's on the Hall of Fame track. And now this was yeah. there's not too many people that have gotten into the hall of fame with ped on their record yeah he's uh he's out there saying now that he he uh, he took it he didn't know you know that, that it's not a performance enhancing drug and he didn't know that it was banned um 
I find that a little hard to believe. There's a huge list. This has been covered year after year after year after year. His, if he doesn't know it, his agent darn well should know it. Well, I mean, at this point, you should be able to go to. I mean, there's millions of dollars on the line. You should be able to go to a doctor mm-hmm. and say, "Listen, the, the, you know, the, the, this, these are the collectively bargained, you know." Well, here, guidelines for, for the sort of things that I can receive. Right. Here, um, here's the bad part about it is, and this is probably a bigger topic than you want to get into because I know Gary's hanging on the phone here. But that's right. Part of the problem is, is some of these uh, Dominican players, and I, I'm guessing that he may be one of them, but they go back to the Dominican Republic or other countries like that, and they go work with trainers there, and they give them like supplements or different things, and they'll tell them it's a certain thing, but it's not like a yeah. U.S. factory that has made this. And sometimes these people will kind of sneak some stuff in because they want to train these superstar athletes and they give them that competitive edge. They kind of sneak yeah. in these extra supplements. So I'm not saying that's what I've happened, a, I've a feeling. Happened. I, I have a feeling we're going to find out Major League Baseball could prove that he was covering something up. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, here, certainly not to talk about PED use in baseball is Gary Emineth. Gary, how's it going? Good, Rob. But I have to tell you about baseball. I've been a longtime baseball fan, but every day it gets harder to be major league baseball fan so i'm, I'm oh, kind of it's, it's very easy to be. enjoying your conversation because i kind of I'm, I'm kind of with you guys on this issue how do you have records anymore and people aren't real humans they put too much in their nutrients know. and all kinds of bad stuff so it's tough to tough to be a fan sometimes i agree it, it well, it's disappointing because i liked robbie cano he had a long he had a great career with the yankees he was doing great with the mariners and, and all this all right gary you're uh you're the chairman of uh, of a new ballot measure committee about non-citizen voting in North Dakota, I, I think I think when most people heard about this, the reaction I've seen from most people is, "Isn't this already illegal? Why do we need this if it's already illegal for non-citizens to vote in North Dakota?" Well, great question, Rob. Um, here's the reality: is our constitution has some ambiguity, and it is not um, clear as it relates to being exclusive for U.S. citizens and North Dakota residents. And consequently, there are states like California and Illinois, Maryland, that have very similar constitution as it, as it speaks to it. But they go in and they change the law. And many times cities uh, like Chicago and San Francisco allow non-U.S. citizens to vote in local elections. So from a federal race standpoint, you are correct. There's a federal mandate. But if you clean up the constitution so that it's very clear that that does not occur then you don't have any problems in state law where at some point they might decide they're going to change it and loosen it up. So this is really about tightening down our Constitution. You'll see other efforts, I think, across the country uh, moving in this direction. And it's all about reserving the exclusive right to vote in all elections for U.S. citizens. And, of course, in each state, in case of North Dakota, you've got to be a North Dakota resident as well. So just so I'm clear, what, what you're saying is even though current statute makes it illegal, if you're not a citizen of North Dakota or the, or the country, uh, you can't vote in our elections. What you're saying, though, is that the constitutional language doesn't make this clear, so you want to put this in the state constitution so at some point somebody couldn't change state law and, and suddenly make it legal for non-citizens to vote. Absolutely correct, Rob. And the fact All is right. our constitution says every citizen of the U.S., United States, who's attained the age of 18 and who's a North Dakota resident, shall be a qualified elector. But it doesn't make it exclusive. So we've added a section that basically, rather than saying every citizen, it says only a citizen of the United States. And then we've added a section three 
that only a qualified elector may vote in any general, special, primary, federal, statewide, state legislative, district, county, township, city, or school district offices. Because what you're seeing on the far left across the country, there's a move to allow undocumented workers to vote. And it's, it's occurring in cities that are typically sanctuary cities that are opening up, um, allowing um, people that aren't citizens to vote in local elections. And so we've added in Section 3 all of these local races that could occur as well, including even a township race that would keep a, um, a, a person from that's not a citizen voting in those local races. Because the ambiguity in our, US, in our North Dakota Constitution um, doesn't make it exclusive. So that's the problem. So we've cleared it up so that we can identify what a qualified elector is, and then we've identified when they can vote. So that's really the purpose of it, is to clean it up, to protect it, because it's coming across this country. So in North Dakota, we're going to be on the forefront of this and get our Constitution straightened around. 701-293-9000, email talk at wday.com, tweet me at Rob Port. Uh, you, you put yourself on a short timeline for this. It's a constitutional amendment. you got to get north of 26,000 signatures uh, to get this thing on the ballot. Deadline for those signatures being turned in is July 9, and it's probably going to be at least another week or so before the Secretary of State even approves your, your petition for circulation. How are you going to get that many signatures by the deadline? Well, we've been working on getting our organization in place prior to filing this because we've gone. We actually, Rob, we went through three or four versions of this before we ended up with what we finally did because there were things that um, other people around the committee wanted to clean up, and it continued to expand to the point that, well, we, we're going beyond the scope of what we want to do. It's really North Dakota U.S. citizens and North Dakotans vote only in an election. So we had some language, so we cleaned it, scaled it way back, so it's very simple, very clear. We think we'll be able to get the signatures. Uh, we have another week or so till we get back from the Secretary of State and Attorney General. But we've been working out a plan to um, to reach out across the state and get, get it done. We got about five weeks. Um, our goal is 33, 34,000 signatures because, you know, there's always got to have some room for mishaps because you got volunteers out there running around the state getting signatures and they make mistakes. And so um, we are going to, we, we're confident we're going to get it done, but it's not going to be without a lot of work and a lot of volunteers. And a lot of North Dakotans, We've, we had 38 people sign on. And if we'd, have, if we'd have spent any time at all, we'd have hundreds of people. But obviously, we didn't need that many. We only needed 25 sponsors. And so we'll be ready to hit the ground as soon as we get the thumbs up. Now, how are you going to – you? Who, where did this come from? I mean, where, where did this idea come from? You, you kept saying we. Like, tell us a little bit about the genesis of this idea. Well, um, well, first of all, I would say that I'm probably one of the primary people behind it because this started – um, you know, I've been following what's going on with um, immigration and some of the things going on around our country that you kind of worry about, um, you know, whether it's border security, all those kind of things are part of it. And out of that, you begin to read articles. And out of the articles, I started seeing that other people are voting that have um, not um, our citizens around the country. It's a particular election. So I called around a few people. Um, we have some legislators on the list, and uh, we've asked them to come on board. We talked about it, and their list, most people's initial reaction was, "Duh!" I mean, of course you got to be a citizen. And so, as we talked through it, they began to see that there was a merit for this. So, we have a half a dozen legislators that signed on. We could have gotten a lot more, but we didn't want too many legislators, and we just got some a lot of people from you know all parts of the state. That as we began to talk about it, I took a point on it, and. Um, you know, when I say we, it's, you know, there's 38 people that signed on to this petition. We could have had a lot more, but 
when you print out a petition uh, for people to sign, um, every name's on the cover of that petition. So we could we could have put a full page of names, you know, but we didn't want a who's who and too big of a list, so we scaled it back. All right. Um, well, Gary, I appreciate your time. And if people want to read the full petition, I posted it up at sayanythingblog.com. It's really pretty simple. Like Gary said, it's just a couple changes to the Constitution. Um, it's hard to argue with the changes. I mean, it's already state law that non-citizens can't vote. Um, but I, I, I don't know what the argument is for allowing them to vote. So um, I don't know. It should be interesting. I think the big question is whether or not you're going to be able to get those signatures. I think that's going to be a heavy. That's the first here. battle. That's the first battle, yeah. Rob. we got to get all those done. So we are getting a website up. This name of this group is our North Dakotans for Citizen Voting. We'll have our website up for volunteers that want to come on and help circulate petitions. Uh, we're going to be working hard to get this done. And then, of course, in the fall, once we get the signatures and get on the ballot, then we're going to have to have a campaign to make sure it passes. So any questions, right. they'll be able to visit our website, and we'll follow up from there. Stay in touch. All right, Gary, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. This is the Rob Report, 970 WDYAM, 93.1 FM. We'll wrap up after this. Don't go away. Welcome back to Rob Report, 970 WDYAM, 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you. Wrapping the show up. Jay Thomas show straight ahead. You, Well, you know you want to stay tuned for that. Coming up tomorrow, uh, we should have Congressman Kevin Kramer on the program. I'm working on some other guests. I probably should have announced them yet because I don't have a book yet. We'll build up people's expectations, and then I won't follow through. It's not Heidi, is it? It's Well, no. Although uh, I, I did ask again on Monday, as I do every week, um, <laughs> with no response. <laughs> I digress. You digress. Yeah. Well, let me ask you uh, a quick question since we got two minutes and you're just rambling sure. anyway. So let's get back well, to hey, the Well, hey, hold on. I had an agenda for that two minutes. But fine, Eric, go ahead. Interject. Just real quick, getting back to our PED conversation. So do you feel that anybody that has been guilty, found guilty of taking PEDs deserves to go into the Hall of Fame? And I'll, I'll tell you, actually, one of my big, all, well, I shouldn't say all-time, but one of the guys I really loved, and I think uh, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire saved baseball back in 1989 with I, that I, home, I, run, I, home run chase. That's well-documented. I really liked Mark McGuire, but after that whole ped thing, I just I I have no problem with him not getting into the Hall of Fame, even though he's got a zillion yeah. home runs. He he may never make it. I I struggle with it because it's it's I, first of all because there's two there's two aspects of it. Part of it is the character of the person being introduced, and I struggle with that because it really should be about performance on the field. Pete Rose is a jerk, right? Pete Rose is a jerk and and a liar. Um, but he also was one of the greatest hitters ever to play the game. And I'm not so sure that he doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, if we're, if we're going to start taking, if character is an issue, uh, well, Babe Ruth was a womanizer. Ty Cobb killed a guy. Those guys are in the Hall but of Fame. But their acts didn't affect their stats. What I, with PEDs, well, I mean, you could well, argue. Well, right. Okay. So, so that's, that's, that's the thing. Um, I, so the, the problem is with the PEDs things, a lot of the guys lied about it, right? Like, like Alex Rodriguez, right? Admitted to it, but also lied to it for a long time mm -hmm. about it for a long Roger time. Roger Clemens. Ryan, right. Ryan Braun um, lied about it for a long time. Um, so I, I don't know. Some of this stuff, I, I, I don't – that to me makes me not like the guy, but to me that's not disqualifying. The problem is, did they have a competitive advantage because they were taking something that other players couldn't, right? I mean, could, well, could other players have done what Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire did? You know, I mean, listen, there's no question that Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire are hugely talented baseball players. Hugely talented. Who knows what they could have done without the PEDs? But here's Who the knows? argument, though. Here's the argument during the, before this became a huge scandal and a black mark on baseball, 
there were pads in the locker room, and it sounds like teams knew about it. And it's like, hey, if all of a sudden Sammy Sosa is going to add 40 pounds of muscle and jack home runs and it's not illegal yet. I mean, there was a period of time where they were taking peds where it was not illegal yet. See, that's the thing. Like, you're right, because what you just said, they saved baseball, right? All of a sudden you had two guys chasing a home run record some people thought would never be broken. Um, And just, just, you know, they saved baseball. And Mm -hmm. so baseball, you know, I – were the owners kind of wink, wink, nod, nod, look the other way? Yeah, and I think that was the problem, that so many people were looking the other way. So I don't know. It's a hard thing. I, I take it with PED. Your question was, should they be admitted to the Hall of Fame? My short answer, since we're out of time, is I kind of take it on a case-by-case basis. I mean, I, I don't I don't want to – I don't want – I think it's wrong answer. to just say – I know. <laughs> we don't have a lot of time for me to, to get into a lot of nuance here. we got to go. Jay Thomas anxiously waiting to titillate your eardrums. This is the Rob Report. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.